Hi, everyone, and welcome to AB Conversations, where we will help you CFP your way out of it, a podcast where you get into the minds of a couple certified financial planners on how we think and feel about everyday financial planning questions and what should really matter most to you. A healthier financial life starts now. Good afternoon, Adam. Good afternoon, Ben. How are you? Excellent. 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 I hope you are well this fine Friday afternoon. Fantastic. Awesome. Uh, I'll be completely transparent. We just tried to record a podcast and I rambled the whole time. So uh, this yes. is to, to be fair to you, it was it was a mess on either side. So yes, for those listening, these are not one take and done. Some, sometime, most of the time they are. Today yeah. it was not. Yeah. That's okay. A little rusty. Um, new topic. We're just going <laughs> to shift. We're going to let that one go. Um, I really like this one. I think um, we run across so many different situations. It's probably one of the most rewarding parts of the job for me, at least. I hope you would agree. You know, everybody's just different. And I think mm-hmm. we often we often talk on this podcast about general things for the masses. And today, like laser focused, we have a couple different client groups that we love working for that are in the situation where either they're solo at this point in their life or they're, they're married, um, but they don't have specific heirs. They, maybe they don't have children or this is a phase of life now where children are not their first heirs. Um, yeah. So it leads to, I would say, just a different kind of puzzle when it comes to estate planning. So mm-hmm. let's talk about it. You know, that way, if there are people out there that know somebody in this situation, or maybe they're in it their own and they're listening to us, that's case great. Um, let's give some tips and tricks just by maybe talking through some of these client situations. Yeah. So, so I'll, I'll, I'll throw one out there to start. It's so it's the, I don't want to say prototypical, but it's husband and wife did not have children, but they still have family members that they want to take care of when they are gone. Right. Whether yeah. it's nieces and nephews, just other family members that are not, you know, their direct descendants, which is the way a lot of estate planning and beneficiary designations kind of default. So right. there are there are many uh, things to keep in mind and to pre-plan against when it comes to leaving money to, I guess, family that may be at more of an arm's length. So here's the first one that comes to mind. Um, the unintended consequences of what we kind of deem that I love you will. So mm-hmm. again, husband, wife, Husband says, when I pass away, I want everything to go to my spouse, right? Great, that money's there to take care of her because in the situation that I'm thinking, right, they, they kind of had their money separate, um, mm-hmm. but they have then beneficiaries that are underneath their own family lines. And if he passes mm-hmm. away and leaves everything to her, there's no mechanism then for whatever is left of that money when she passes away to come back to his nieces and nephews as it was the intention so we started this conversation with them and it's like oh my gosh (laughs) yeah something needs to be in writing here whether it's um differences in the will whether it's bringing in marital trust there's many different ways that they could actually think about solving that problem Um, Mm -hmm. but that is a situation where if what you really intend to have happen is care for one then come back to my family your beneficiary designation alone is not going to do that yeah, and a, and a and a simple will in and of itself 
probably isn't enough to, to make that happen either. There's going to need to be additional language and additional kind of provisions built into that to make sure that that actually happens. So an, another one um, that's in a similar vein, right? I know we're gonna talk about some entities and we're gonna talk about some charitable kind of inclinations, but when it comes to leaving money to people, the difference between the pro rata designations and the per stirpes designation for beneficiaries is a key thing to keep in mind, right? We've, we've talked about this before, but just to kind of reiterate for those listening now, the pro rata designation is kind of the default. So give, it, give the example, let's say, I guess going down this road, right? No kids, let's say married couple, they're gonna leave it to a niece and nephew on the wife's side and a niece and nephew on the husband's side, equally, all equal shares. Pro rata, if one of those nieces or nephews passes away before the husband or wife, yep, yep. Pro, rata, pro rata means it's just gonna be evenly split then among the three remaining nieces and nephews. Right, yeah. The per stirpes designation would then follow the bloodline. So let's say one of, again, one of the, the niece passes away, but she has children, her share will then go to her children. So we've often seen this with grandkids, right? Where the, the grandparents, when they do have kids and grandkids, they want to make sure that the money continues to pass to the individual family members and doesn't exclude, you know, children of, of their beneficiaries. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so I think we would want people to be really cognizant of this if they don't really have that default where I just want everything to go to my kids and then to the grandkids or anything of that nature. Now we're including not direct descendants. Again, now we're kind of outside of the purview of default law and you mm -hmm. really wanna be very laser focused on how these beneficiary designations are listed because if it is one of those things where you set it and forget it, right? Yeah. You live a long and healthy life and a lot of things have kind of changed. Um, we see it a lot with divorce too. My gosh, right? You now, now we've got some fractured relationships, and now money is has the potential to go somewhere where you don't want it to go based on mm -hmm. name beneficiaries versus going through pro rata per stirpes and uh, other specifics. So that's a good one to bring up. In all cases, pay attention to it. Yes, but I, yeah. I, I think when you're in this situation where the default already isn't going to work, um, you got to pay closer attention. Yeah, it just it takes a little bit of an additional forethought um, and some planning in advance just to make sure you're thinking about some of those potential scenarios. So let me go to another situation there that's kind of piggybacking mm -hmm. off of that. What, what if it's a situation where your heirs are not going to be your children, right? And of course, this may be a little more uncommon, but you know, we certainly know people where what they've oh. wanted to do for their children has been in their lifetime, right? I've, I've mm -hmm. gifted them an education or I helped them get that first home. Um, yeah. You know, I'm thinking about a couple that's incredibly philanthropic and now everything needs to be centered around kind of saying, this is not going to my children, mm -hmm. right? Because the defaults <laughs> are there. If I don't have a beneficiary designation, I pass away, where's it gonna go? It goes to my next of kin. Yeah. Um, but this is a situation where I think you hinted at it, leaving money to entities takes some work, but there's absolutely a really good reason to do that work if your intention is to be charitable. Because yeah. why, when you pass away and leave money to charity, you get no tax deduction for doing that. You, yeah. start, to give, you start to give to an entity that ultimately gives to a charity when you pass away, you got, you got some tax deductions on the front end here. 
yeah so the, the i mean we we love those because in in the end if the intent is to leave money to a, a charity um the end result is no different as just naming the charity in the will or, or kind of creating this entity that can then leave the money to the charity. The difference being if you're using some sort of ent entity, right, a charitable remainder trust, a foundation, whatever that may look like, and maybe we'll get into some of those details, you're at least getting the tax deduction during your lifetime, which then theoretically means you may be able to pass on more yeah. to the charity over time, or again, even during your lifetime. So I understand that we are a small sample size in this big world that we live in. <laughs> is there anybody, Adam, that you know that we have associated with that is that does not have direct descendants, right? So is not leaving money directly to children. Is there anyone that you can think of that's not including charity in their estate in some way, shape, or form? No. Yeah, they all do. So. Yeah. I would hope that if there's anybody out there that's looking to develop some sort of estate plan that is going to include charity that maybe doesn't want to leave money to kids or, or doesn't have the children to leave it to, yeah. please, please, please have the conversations on the front end. Because whether it's charitable entities, whether it's a foundation, whether it's just a donor advised fund, there's many different ways mm -hmm. for you, even some ways for you to retain some like income from those assets to support you later in life while still making sure it goes to charities at your death. Yeah. And I, so I think oftentimes that, and even just hearing you say that, like I, I can see people starting to glaze over and think, oh, well, that sounds really complicated. Sounds really expensive. It sounds very time consuming. And maybe some of those things are true, but there is absolutely the cost benefit to doing those things. The, the benefits far outweigh, I think, some of that initial effort um, again, if, if that means maximizing or at least increasing um, what you can give to charity while you're living, what goes to charity when you pass, the fact that you're going to get tax deduction while you're living, like there are there are so many positives that you, yes, in your scenario, those people should be doing those things. I think it's gotten way easier though too. You know, yeah. I, I think as information becomes more abundant and more cheap, um, as these things become a little bit more common to use. I would, I would hope that we would kind of take some of the burden off of people yes. if they are feeling like that's just going to be a, a heavy, uh, a time-consuming and expensive thing. Yeah, I don't know that any, we would not probably advocate for anybody to go out and start their own foundation without uh, enlisting some professional help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that one, look, let's be honest, that one is big and huge and yes. um, we'll leave that where that is. But so I'm, I'm thinking of another situation where we have you know, two clients, sisters, um, mm -hmm. who've gone through this exercise, you know, over many, many different years to identify what is really meaningful for them to leave behind. And they've done an awesome job deciding who's going to get what assets based on age and taxability. Yeah. What entity am I going to set up that, you know, my charitable, you know, itch is being scratched. And at the same time, I'm retaining some interest. They've even included insurance in a way that Honestly, their whole tax plan is going to like leave the government with nothing, like zero dollars, <laughs> because IRAs are going to charity and families getting insurance. And it's just, but, but I, I wanted to bring that up because, yes, it may have been daunting to think about on the front end, but here mm -hmm. we are 10, 15 years later, and they've massaged this thing into feeling, I hope, like they have 
just such a great legacy plan to leave behind, even though it wasn't spouses and children. Yeah, and maybe we should have led with with your pitch there on leaving the leaving the government zero dollars in you know estate tax revenue. <laughs> and that would have that would have caught some ears right off the bat. But yeah, that's there's a lot of moving pieces, and and yeah, it takes it takes some some thought. But one of the things I wanted to point out there, and you said it, is that not all financial assets are created equal when it comes to the inheritance process, right? That some are, that there's the estate tax process, obviously, but then there is the income tax side of what either a person or a, an entity actually inherits. Um, so yeah, even just taking that full picture and putting those pieces together so that, yeah, the, the retirement accounts that are taxable to a person those yeah. go to the charity when they are not taxable. The charity is exempt from that process, but leaving non-retirement assets, if you have them, to, to actual human beings that can limit the amount of taxes um, owed, you said, wrap in some life insurance, like putting all of those pieces together to really, really maximize your estate, but then minimize what the government actually takes as a portion of that is, I mean, we, we enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, and clearly we're not, I'm not in a situation to kind of put myself in somebody's shoes. I can't know, you know, what they're thinking at that given time. But I can imagine that when you don't have people with an expectation as like, if I'm going to pass away, my kids should probably expect that they're going to get something. If that hasn't been a conversation, like that's a default. Um, when there isn't that, I hope it gives somebody the freedom to really think creatively about what would be meaningful for them to be to be leaving behind and to whom? Mm -hmm. And I think that's mm -hmm. why charity comes into play for people in this situation. So the sky's the limit. I just hope that people would feel empowered to kind of like go through that process and really, really think about it. Yeah. Um, so I just had like, I made a list of three suggestions that we'd give, you know, based on these types of situations. The first is that we're, we're really at the beginning stages of offering something that we would call like a final financial plan. Mm -hmm. um, and I think this would be really important. We, we thought of, we unfortunately work with, you know, a bunch of widows who have lost their husband and now um, have really had to take on all the organization themselves. And yeah. the final financial plan was our idea of kind of organizing where all their documents are, who the key people are, um, all the way down to, you know, what are the valuable things in the house and where yeah. can they be found? Helping mm -hmm. somebody settle the estate is really what it was about. I yeah. think that's really to, to this group of people that may not feel like they have that default child to kind of take care of things for them. Like under, understand that we'll help you organize these things. Yeah. Am I supposed to say Great. something else there? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> second second thing um yeah again because and you said this well because there are defaults in the commonwealth of pennsylvania and really in yeah. any other state um if you do not have default heirs you really do need an estate attorney like more than anybody else that we think should have it uh, make sure you have those conversations yeah i, I think we, we did say that uh earlier too i'm not sure if that was before or after we hit the record button but yes we firmly believe that everybody should have a well thought out estate plan. But yes, when it comes to this, where defaults are not going to be sufficient. Yeah, absolutely. It's you, you need, you need to go through this process. Third thing completely seems like it's off topic. You really ought to think about long-term care insurance. 
Um, I think we unfortunately get ourselves in the spot where we have to have those tough conversations on, mm -hmm. okay, if, if this happens, you know, who, who are you relying on for care? And at what point is that not going to be somebody that you want them, you know, you would want taking care of you. Um, again, this isn't just, I would say for people that maybe don't have children, you know, yeah. now that people all are over the country, you know, I got my education on the East coast. I'm living on the West coast. Mm -hmm. It may be something to consider early in life, making sure that you have set aside the money or that you are transferring the risk to some company to make sure that you are cared for, your assets are protected. If you don't have somebody close by, that's going to be able to do that for you. Yeah. We actually just met with a, a, a new client this morning that shared the experience. Um, you know, father passed away at a very young age. At, at some point shortly thereafter, the mother bought a long-term care policy, right? Yeah. Back when long-term care policies were, were fairly new. And now here we are, flash forward however many years, 30 some plus years. years. Yeah. And now she's in an assisted living facility, has cognitive um, difficulties, but is otherwise healthy. And now, by the way, this insurance policy or this long-term care policy is there to essentially take care of her for a very long time and not feel like you're really draining your assets and then you become you know a, a ward of the state at some point if you have to spend down all your assets and if there is not somebody there if there is not a, a child who can step in and actually you know help handle these affairs Provide, yeah yeah it it just it checks another one of those boxes of of just making sure that you're at least taken care of physically and financially yeah and it, it wasn't meant to be a pitch for like Hey, if this is your situation, you need to go get it. Um, yeah, it's it's more make sure you have the conversation. Um, and I think more than anything else, we just want people to have peace of mind that something is going to work out, even if these are the bad dominoes that may happen. Yeah, and I, I mean, we certainly approach planning oftentimes as what's the worst case scenario? Let's plan for that. We're not going to hope that any of that ever occurs, right? It's plan for the worst, hope for the best, um, but if anything should happen negative, you've at least had the plan in place to be able to adapt to it at that time and not feel like you're just completely caught, you know, off guard. Yeah. Planning in a nutshell. Yeah. Well said, well done. Um, looking at my cheat sheet. I think we hit on it, at least the big things that I would want to mention. I know this is again, a, a little bit more specific to uh, potentially a smaller group of people. Um, but hopefully you can see there's still a lot of conversations that should be had around this situation. Um, yeah. Don't don't just brush it off. Yeah. All Come right. Talk to us. We're here. Let's call it a week. Sounds great. Thank you again. Uh, estate planning for non-specific heirs. There you have it. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Hey, everyone. Adam and I really appreciate you tuning in. Please note that the opinions we voiced in the show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be most appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, your accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to making any decisions or investing. Thanks for listening.